the liturgical sense of the readings at Mass. Today's first reading for the fourth Sunday in Easter is a continuation of Peter's sermon at Pentecost from Acts chapter 2, verses 14 and 36 through 41. An interesting note here is that while the text informs us that thousands who heard Peter's sermon at Pentecost were cut to the heart, his appeal to them was not emotional at all. Rather, rather, what the Holy Spirit had voiced through the Apostle Peter was simply the charisma of the church, which was based upon empirical evidence, the prophecies that Christ Jesus had fulfilled during his life on earth, and eyewitness accounts of Jesus' journey among us. Moreover, the arguments that Peter was exhorting were specifically crafted and tailored for a Jewish audience who had made a pilgrimage to Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost of Shavuot to commemorate the giving of the Torah to the Israelites at Mount Sinai. Therefore, Peter's exhortation to this particular audience of pilgrims was essentially to inform them that you no longer have to wait for the Messiah you have been promised of old because he had come to dwell with us and you gave him the death penalty. But if you repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit according to Luke. Who is also the author of the book of Acts, this was the second time in 50 days that the city of Jerusalem hosted a crowd who found themselves convicted to the heart over the execution of God. Luke chapter 23 verses 47 through 48 reads, Now, when the Satorian saw what had taken place, he praised God and said, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the multitudes who assembled to see the sight, when they saw what had taken place, returned home beating their breasts. Now, 50 days later, many of those same people who had witnessed Christ on the cross accepted the teaching of the Apostle Peter and were included in the estimated number of 3,000 persons who were baptized that day. We celebrate this reality, the reality that, for many, conversion takes time, and sometimes as little as 50 days. Today's second reading from 1 Peter Chapter 2, verses 20 through 25, belongs to what many believe was an early Christian hymn, which recapitulated or was closely based upon Isaiah's suffering servant in chapter 53, verses 4 through 12. Like Jesus, the suffering servant was unjustly persecuted and killed but an evil which was allowed by God so that, as a sacrificial lamb, 
he would make himself an offering for our sin. The Christian mystery is how this sacrificial lamb was then resurrected to become the shepherd of God's sheep that had gone astray. Here, the author First Peter rejoices, saying, But you have now returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. It is in that context of the Good Shepherd being promised to us from Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd. In Genesis chapter 49 verse 24, By the name of the shepherd, the rock of Israel, and Ezekiel chapter 34 verses 11, For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I myself will search for my sheep, and will seek them out. And the prototype of good shepherds in the young Moses and David, that we understand the gospel's usage of the imagery of sheep, shepherd, and wolf. Also belonging to that tradition is today's gospel reading from John chapter 10, verses 1 through 10, which, aside from Ezekiel, is the longest continuous narrative on sheep, shepherd, and wolf imagery. There is nothing esoteric about the Gospel of John. It is the most non-enigmatic Gospel because the author made deliberate use of as many words as possible to create what is a self-interpreting text, meaning that if you want to know what John means, just wait for it, and John will tell you or has already told you what he means in this way. John demands very little of the reader to have a deep knowledge of the Old Testament prophecies, such as the Gospel of Matthew heavily demands of its audience. In this instant case, the Good Shepherd narrative in John is very literal. It, it means exactly what it says, yet it is interesting to note here the use of the two I am statements here, where Jesus refers to himself as both the gate and in verse 11 as the Good Shepherd. Later in chapter 21, Jesus commands the Apostle Peter to participate in his shepherding by feeding and tending the Lord's sheep, a duty which has henceforth been transferred to each of Peter's successors in the line of apostolic succession. That work of shepherding is the work of our Catholic liturgy. For the liturgy not only gathers us as sheep, but it also processes us in lines and right paths to feed us the body of Christ and refreshes our soul with the blood of Christ. In the Divine Symphony, we hear and know our shepherd's voice through the readings of the sacred scriptures, 
and the pre-celebrants in Persona Christi, especially during the prayers of consecration, we truly hear His voice in this way. The liturgy also tends to the sheep so that there is nothing that we shall want. And the Holy Spirit that we receive at the sacrament of baptism gives us that sure courage so that we shall never fear any evil. For certainly, we do find great evil in the world. After the liturgy concludes and dismisses us into dark valleys, into tables where our foes are gathered around us until we are gathered again in the Holy Mass. While even there, at the Mass, we find wolves and false shepherds in our midst, the gates of hell will never prevail against Christ or His Church because Christ Jesus Himself is the gate. This is the liturgy that we are called and gathered into. This is just one way how the readings at Mass this Sunday connect to the liturgy and how the liturgy is forming us how to live our lives in the world. Be in the world which you have received through the liturgy. I am David L. Gray. Visit me online at davidlgray.info for more content and context about the liturgical sense of the scriptures.